Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASUG Podcast. Every shop owner knows just how difficult it is to find great help. For every one-man operation that is looking to add their first service advisor or technician, there are four-store operations that have developed systems that allow them to have a continuous pool of talent to staff their stores. How is their approach different from the single-store shop owner? To answer that question, Lucas and I sat down with Dwayne Myers, the owner and a managing partner at Dynamic Automotive based out of Woodsboro, Maryland. Dwayne has cultivated a culture that finds and nurtures new talent. Listen to how his organization approaches both employee retention and empowerment. Before we begin, however, if you're an automotive industry professional or a shop owner yourself, then you are in the right place. This is a podcast created by shop owners for shop owners and those seeking their perspective. We have frank and open conversations where we discuss the struggles and challenges we have every single day and what we're trying to do about it. So if you like the content, we'd greatly appreciate a subscription on your favorite podcast listening app. If you're catching us on YouTube, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel so you never miss an upload. Now with all that out of the way, here we go. I tell you what, guys, it has been an interesting week. We, we've had a good week. We did good numbers wise, but man, this has been like a really emotional week for me. Um, Sunday, uh, our new service advisor called in and had someone in his life had had a medical emergency. And I won't share what that medical emergency was, but I, I basically told him that if that had happened to me, They'd need two ambulances. They wouldn't just need one because it would have scared me so bad. I would have just stroked out. And so we started the week kind of, you know, without all the help we needed, but also, you know, worried for them because this was a real life threatening situation. Um, And then 
I came in Monday morning and, and I come in fairly early in the mornings and I set up in bed. I was getting ready to come to work. It was like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. And I turn on my phone and I'm scrolling down and I see one of my, my favorite clients on my Facebook page or on a, on my Facebook newsfeed. And I thought, that's kind of weird. I wonder why his picture's there. And I continue to read what it says. And, and this 40 year old man, um, with a third grader in my daughter's school, who is a great client who had, you know, been become part of the family had passed away the day before. And I don't know if it was because we both have children and, and, you know, I've got a little boy, he had a little boy, his little boy's birthday was today. And man, I, I don't know if either one of you have ever lost a client, but I did not expect it to, to affect me that way. We've lost some older clients and things that we kind of knew to expect, but, but this was just a tough thing. Have either one of you experienced that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, 20, you know, we've been around uh, almost 26 years now and, uh, it's third, third, fourth generation, you know, more like third, but it, uh, we've gone to so many funerals, I can't count them. It, it's, right. you know, and Lee, Lee, my one business partner, Lee, he he looks in there, he checks in there himself just to see if he's in the obituary. But he'll, <laughs> I mean, he does. And my, and my partners are a couple of years older than me, so they, I, I tease him. But he looks all the time and, and he'll send them. I'm like, oh, man, you know, you have a customer for 20-some years and you, you know their kids and their kids now have kids. And, you know, right. you become part of their family. So, you know, you go pay your respects. But it's... uh it does take it out of you. I mean, and it's not that you look at it like, Oh, I lost a customer. I mean, they've, they've become a friend, you know, part, you know, you've been part of their life, part of their kid's life. I mean, once you start helping the family and not just a person, you're part of yeah. their life one way or another, you, you are. And, and, uh, exactly. it, it does take a toll on you. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in this case, so, um, he was a realtor and I had just finished reading the book, the dream manager. And I had sent him an email and I said, Hey, I would love to have you come in. Um, I've got multiple guys in the shop who are really interested in buying their first house. Can you come in and help us work on this and prepare this? So we had kind of had an email chain just before this happened, you know? Um, so pretty crazy stuff. And, and, you know, uh, we care about each one of our clients, you know, they're all part of the family, but you just never, it's never something you want to go through, you know? Yeah. But you touched on something that, uh, is really special being, you know, being a, a shop owner is, is watching your guys buy houses, you know, of course get, you know, dating, get married, have kids. But, you know, when they are able to buy a house, I just had one of our apprentices that we just graduated, uh, right. he's, he's 21 now, bought his first house. A couple months oh, ago. Wow. Oh my God! What what an amazing feeling! I'm so proud of proud of him. I mean, he he's he's doing a, an awesome job. He's got such a bright future, and already at that age has a house. Um, it's just, I mean, most are still living with their mom until they're thirty, and and we, you know, twenty one, and he owns his own place. That's awesome. That is super awesome, and and you know, um, I, I think it's kind of a testament that we hear it all the time and, and some of the conversations that have been going on lately, especially in the technician groups, um, you can still make a good living as a technician and you can still buy a house and you can still do great things in your life. And, and, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the show and, and I want to touch this carefully, um, 
we hear a lot from technicians who say we need to earn. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. For money. And David brought something up to me a while back, and he said, you know, he said, they'll just spend more and more and more money if they never learn money management. Yep. They'll just continue to spend that money, and they'll keep coming back to you saying, well, hey, I need more money. Okay. And, and, you know, uh, my shop coach always tells me, he's like, you know, look, I can't always be your solution. My checkbook can't be your solution. You've got to come up with your own solution, you know, and that's something to think about when we, when we're talking wages and, and the fact that we've got a technician shortage, I think there's a lot of ways that we can improve the lives of technicians. Yeah. It's their financial health is equally as important as their physical health. Yeah. And part of, you know, our 401k package that we have comes with uh, financial advice from professionals where they can actually go down and, and help them. And we, we actually, a few years ago, we started putting in our, our match on payroll. When they got paid, their match went in right then. So they got instant money they could use right away. And that really boosted up the, the efforts. But we, we make it a point to tell them, you know, Talk to us about finance and all. We've been down a couple roads. You know, I've bought a couple shops. I've, I've spent some money. I've made some mistakes. And I'm pretty thankful that they they do ask. You know, right. um, they, they do ask and you try to steer them because in the end, whatever they buy, you're on the hook for it too. One way or another, um, yes, it's their money. But when they run out of money, they're going to come to you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's a very valid point. What you kind of took a, a technical role, didn't you? When you were when you were in the shop, I mean, you're you're a highly accredited technician, right? Uh, I got a couple, a couple <laughs> ASCs. I have, I have yeah. a few, but I, I tell you, I I don't I don't work on cars anymore. I haven't. I, if I go in the shop and pick up a tool, they all look at me like, "What's wrong?" <laughs> Well, they they don't even remember. A lot of the guys don't even remember me working on cars. My toolbox, I had a Mr. Big snap on box with end lockers and everything. It's sitting at my house. It rutted my driveway when they they unloaded it off the uh, 
the rollback. It actually left ruts in the driveway when it got oh, off that's there. Awesome. Oh, it was, it's, it sits here and it's going to sit here because they don't want it there. But, uh, you know, and it's something really difficult and all. It, it was a slow transition, though, because I, I used to love working on cars. And right. slowly I got out of it and, and, you know, was more on the business side of it. And I realized that I really love working on people. And I Amen. don't care that much for cars anymore. And I, I just watch them. And so when I get in their world, they're like, what's wrong? I go, nothing. I need a break. The computer screen's killing me. I said, I got to move. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, and, and so – to that tune, you were you were a technician. Mm-hmm. What what's your perspective? You know, and and I was too. And I, I we talk a lot about the fact that many many shop owners were once technicians, and and unfortunately, I think a lot of the the struggles that are seen in in the shops and independent shops, especially, come from the fact that they were technicians and never became business owners. Right? They owned the shop; it was their shop. But they never transitioned from that technician role into the owner role. And, you know, we're seeing all this conversation about technician shortage and the way technicians are treated. What's your perspective? What should we be doing differently as shop owners to treat them better? Where are we missing the ball? There's a lot you could work on, but I want to say probably the biggest impact, you know, besides education, you know, and an encouragement, you know, get, get them the cars to work on is, is to have a future for them. I think right. that by far means more than anything um, that they're currently doing is, is to have a future and then to be invested in that future. And, and if it's apprenticeship or if it's uh, career paths, gold setting, if, You've sat down with them and talked about their their career for the next one, three, even five years. You have a connection with them, and then and then it's just not about money. Which you right. know, when you say about see, it's compensation. It's not dollars. Dollars are important, and and they work hard. They need to be. They deserve to be paid. But so will twenty other shops will pay them. But if you're going to invest in their future development. You know, and, and, and make more because you always want to know where you, it's nice to know where you're heading and what, you know, and how to get there and have someone help you do it. Right. That's really true. And, you know, the, the reason I asked you that question is because we were both on a, a little bit of a panel for an awards kind of thing a while back. And um, and the others had mentioned something about it. And I was talking to some people and I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to look up his shop. I'm going to tell you what the people that work for you really love you. Did you know that they, I mean, they really like working for you. I don't know if you know that or not, but. Well, it, it, I, I think they, they, they more like me than not, <laughs> you know, um, right. I, I, I tell you, we, we are very lucky uh, and blessed with, with the people we have. We have a lot of great, long-term people, um, some middle and then some brand new and we lose some, there's a few, but not too many. And I tell you the words out on what we do, you know, we're at four shops. We're working, trying to get five now. And as we grow, every time we grow, we're giving opportunities for our team and they know that. And people outside, you know, I just had someone come in December, worked 18 and a half years at one shop. Right. And he came to me 
he was recommended from a friend of mine. He says, you really need to talk to this guy. And it happened to be his son. He says, I want him to work for you. And and he says, he knows you. And I just, okay, well, I didn't know who he was, but he knew of me. And we talked and I'm just like, well, why do you want to become part of our family? And he goes, because I want a future. I'm stuck somewhere and I'll never move from where I'm at. And I'm like, that's an awful feeling. And if you yeah. can offer that to people, it does make a difference, you know, and I'll fight for them just as hard as it'll fight for me. And uh, but I'll fight harder, but I tell you, they always seem to match my effort, which is uh, truly amazing. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. How So how do you, let me ask you this, how do you do that? What what's what's the pathway? How do we sit down and figure out what that future looks like? Because, you know, you, you know a little bit about my shop. We've got a, a young lady who's an apprentice here. We've got some young techs here. We've got a hundred hour minimum training kind of thing. We're trying to make sure we're paying them well. We're thinking about ways that we can improve um, in all areas of their life. But if, if you were to sit down with me, we went to lunch and, and I said, hey, I want to be part of their future. I want to help them plan for the future. What are the first steps? Where do I start with that? I tell you, I'll have to break this in two parts because one taught me the other. And the first one was our apprenticeship program. You know, we have two programs, a youth program, which is it's high school, and then a registered program, which ours is a three-year program with the state. It's a re- registered apprenticeship, has uh, college classes uh, for credit, mentor. They have a list of goals. They know what they're going to achieve. They, they have a mentor assigned to them. Uh, it's been an extremely successful plan. And every person that's gone through it, and we're at six right now, I lost one for a very good reason. I encouraged him to go. He had a, got an offer that was quite amazing. And I told him to go do it. And and he's happy what he's doing. And, and I'm, I'm happy for him. But the other ones are, are with me. We've graduated two, getting ready to graduate another one. Phenomenal young men. They're rock stars. Uh, but what that taught us, this program is by structuring it, because the state made me line everything up when they're getting their raises, what classes they're going to take, who's going to be teaching them, what they're going to be learning, all things uh, a millennial or really anyone. You know, it, it's not just a millennial, it's anybody. It, it means something. They know when, uh, this is at, at 18 or 19 that my next three years of my life is mapped out for me. Most at that age have no clue what they're doing tomorrow, much less for the next three years. So that right. taught us by having goals. The goal was for them to complete this program, go get some ASEs, you know, and, and get ready. And it's designed pay-wise to go from, you know, say $12 an hour up to like the base pay of flat rate without all the ASEs. It's designed that they keep stepping up. So they start always keep making more money. And, but it just taught us that bigger picture career wise, why stop at three years? So I had a business coach at the time. He wasn't in the automotive. Uh, He, he uh, liked him a lot. He, he left us finally because uh, one of his clients made him CEO and they were going national. It was pretty, pretty sweet deal for him. And uh, he taught us about goal, goal setting, goal map reviews where instead of the hated, review process of one to five, you know, five, you're great. Everything else you suck. Uh, you know, as well as I do, Lucas, if you got a four on, on performance, you're not going to be happy. You know, like right. why am I not a five? Cause you know, you're a five kind of guy. 
and it just always put bad taste in people's mouths. And, and but I always believed you had to review them uh, properly so they could grow. So we switched to a goal plan, and it really went away from you know what you're doing terrible. But of course, you address that stuff. But it's the one, three, and five, one year, three year, and five year. Your career professionally, what what do you want to achieve? in that time frame, And I've had all kinds of things answered there, but uh, you know, it, it really, it lets you look into their future, um, their, into their soul and see what do they want to do? I've had uh, service advisors, actually uh, one that, you know, he wants to run a shop. So he's in a plan. Now his plan actually goes out a little further than five years. It's, it's more like a uh, eight or nine before he's at running that shop. But, I, I'm working my way there. His one-year goal is is to acquire better sales skills. His three-year goal is to start acquiring more leadership skills. And f- at five years, he, he wanted to be running a shop. And and it's not an exact science, but I know in my head that he's in my future. You know, right. he's thinking about dynamic, and I need to be thinking about him. And you know, when I develop him and he takes over that role, it's just not helping him. It, it's it's helping me. I can grow and have more shops because I have leaders to put in them. You know, there's only so many of David, Lucas, and Dwayne's. We can't right. keep running all the shops. You, if you have, when you have more, Lucas, when you have a second one, I'm sure you're building your your team so that you have someone to put in there that has your beliefs, values, morals, and, and business sense. And, you know, they're, they're going to help you go to greater places together. But we, we have these reviews, and then we talk about past goals. You know, did you achieve them? And then we talk about how you're going to achieve these goals. What are, what are we going to do? And then there's the, the caveat question at the end. Where, where are we missing the mark? What are we doing wrong as a company? Or what can we just do better? And when you're honest with them, they end up being honest with you. And it's, uh, uh, it's powerful. But by taking that and then start putting it in place – you know, I have, uh, I, it's a chessboard of people. You know, we have about 35 people in the company right now. Um, right. And I have four location leaders that have been with me 13 years um, that are running the stores. And we're working on actually adding another layer of leadership because one of my business partners will be retiring in a couple of years. And as we add a fifth and sixth store, we're going to need more like a district manager. So we're creating that role uh, right now. And we already told them is, you know, when that time comes, which will probably be in about three years, you know, you all can apply for that, that position. Uh, I have a, a lady that runs one of our busiest stores, does a phenomenal job, but she also has taken accounting classes, um, is working on a degree. She wants my job as far as the financial side. Uh, she wants the CFO. So she's been working on that along with running that store. And I have people telling me that you can't run a store and do another job. Well, I don't know a shop owner that only does one job. They do all of them. <laughs> no, right. Yeah. So she's actually, she's going to take over the finances, which will allow me to do more, you know, the day-to-day uh, stuff, you know, each one, you know, and then I have technicians, you know, I have shop foremans right now that, that want to run locations. I have about, Seven people, all at different degrees, different levels in the progression that want to run a location. Um, and they've all been with me for quite a while. Some maybe five years, others 15. So 
I think by doing this, I'm stacking the the deck of where we're heading, where they're heading, and that's what they tell people when when this this person that was at uh, the technician that came on in December that was uh, with this other company for eighteen and a half years, which I know that other company very well. They're definitely they don't do uh, as simple as digital inspections. He's never done one in his life. Uh, they, they're right. they're more old school, you know. And I'm not saying they're bad. They're old school, you know. And and he came on, and I, I said, yeah, and I talked to him on the phone. I got a really good feeling about him. It, it, sometimes you just know, you know. And and I said, all right, well, you know, we're I'm I'm on a Zoom call right now. I stepped off to talk to him, and I said, I'm going to ask our location leaders, you know, if any of them would like to talk to you, you know, if they need want a technician or not. And and uh, they all did. And and to listen to them. Because we all got on a call together with them, and I said, "Hey, this is informal. We're, you know, we're just gonna get to know us a little bit, you know." And I, I said, "Here, this is me, me, who I am, what I do with the company, my my beliefs and feelings." And then they went around the room, and each one of them on Zoom. I wish I would have recorded it because it was humbling what they said, and what they kept saying was, "You know, I don't work for them; I work with them, and we work oh, together awesome. to build the company." Uh, and and you know, we. Basically, they talk about, you know, what we do with education, but then not that. Then we put it into play. You can teach somebody everything, but if you don't put it into play and actually let them exercise those skills. And like a technician, if you go to Vision and you tell me your five-year goal is to run a location, you better one day be spending at management classes, and I'll sit with you. Amen. Yeah, I've I've had a location leader on one side and a technician on the other, and Cecil Buller sitting there. Don't want Cecil Bullard. And I just look at them. He would talk, and then I would translate. <laughs> I would explain it to him. Right. And well, you know, and, and so what I take away from that, because that's something we've been doing a lot of, is we've been doing the cross-training. And and I listen to you speak, and I, I think, you know, so much of this, right, so much of what you're talking about, I think as shop owners, especially when we're, in the primary role of shop owner. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're still trying to run the front counter. Maybe we're still in the back of the shop. We're the, we're a common ASOG member. Let's just call it that. And, and we're, we're still trying to do all this. And I've been there. And in a lot of ways, I'm still there. But what I find myself where I drop the ball on this is that I stop coaching them. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of what you're talking about, what is your goal? Where do you want to be? What's the five-year plan? And, you know, the first time somebody asked me that, I went, uh, <laughs> right? And, you know, David always talks about this guy that we know, and and he said, you know, what's your goal for the next year? And he said, I want to do a million dollars. And he said, okay, why? He said, well, I have, you know, I mean, just because I want to do a million dollars. It's an arbitrary number. I mean, you know, why would you want to do a million dollars? So I can say I did a million dollars. and and so. There is no real thought process for a lot of technicians about what it is they want to be, where they want to go. I can only imagine what it looks like in your shop because I'm sure you have to coach them through that process. You have to work them into thinking about that because a lot of a lot of us end up short-sighted. And I can tell you where I drop the ball is I get busy and I get, you know, so many cars in here I can't keep up with it and I've got the phone ringing I've got all these people coming at me need this that and the other and I'm not slowing down to spend the time with them to culture that 
right? It takes work to get there. Well, you're 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 following the path that everyone has to go. You know, you talk about all right, you want to get a million dollars, that's your goal. Well, my goal is if I get a million dollars, I then can hire that service advisor. I can get off that counter and I now can start building the business and coaching them. And next thing you know, it's a two million dollar business. You know, right. there there's gotta be a goal behind, you know, not just an arbitrary number. The arbitrary number allows you to do things and and, and yeah. get somewhere. And I know, I know you can go back and forth because I did it. I mean, I've switched doors. You know, we've we've gotten, you know, tight financial issues years ago. And, and I would help. I used to go out and help in the shop because it was a mental break because I could fix something. You ever have that day right. where there's nothing that works? I'm going to go put a set of brakes on because I can do that. <laughs> Not mess <laughs> right. up. I can do this and it'll be okay. <laughs> you know, but it, it's it's healthy mentally. But, but in the end, uh and it takes time. And it, it's, we really, it's been the last five years that we've really been this way. So we spent 20 years, you know, and it was a slow, and each one of them, slow, each one of us, because I, you know, the three business partners slowly got out of day to day operations. You know, I stopped working in the shop, and Jose would always tell me, quit working in the shop. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to steer the ship, you, you can't do it from the engine room. You know, the shop's the right. engine room. Got to get up and steer the wheel in the, in the wheelhouse. And he was right. And, you know, we went to a new phone system two years ago. Great thing we did over COVID, that was for sure. But internet phones, my phone does not ring when the shop phone <laughs> rings. <laughs> and awesome. you know you know what? I'm not the one that decided that. The team did. They said, you don't need to be answering the phone. One, you don't know what's going on. And they're completely right. Because my office is in Urbana. I do not run that store. That is Paul's store. You, completely, 100% his store. Now, I'll help anyone that asks me. But I don't. I'm working on the business there. But my number one job, you just mentioned it, is coaching people, taking care of them. And it is easy when you get busy and projects come on. You you got stuff, you know, like say you're acquiring another store. That's going to take a lot of your time. Or you're writing SOPs. Or, But as you slowly add, you know, as you get – you do that million, two million, three million, your, your team gets bigger. And when you start pulling goals out of them, Partly, they didn't realize they had those goals. Then they start taking on some of the responsibilities you thought you had to do. They can perfectly do it, frees up more time so you can do more. Because, And it is more of a courting effect. Sometimes you have more time than others. But that little touch point, you know, that 21-year-old uh, apprentice, you know, that graduated, he is the assistant manager in our quick loop. And if you've never worked in a quick loop, you know, we this building has a repair shop car wash, detail center, and a, and a quick loop. And quick loop's a different industry from general repair. And right. it took us a while. It took us years to learn it. We lost a lot of money learning that that price, that educational piece. But, it, you know, high volume and the stress is there. Of course, you, you want to be honest, only give them what they want, but you got to tell them what's wrong with the car. And he has this knack of, of working with his peers from 16 to 65. You know, that's his peer uh, and, and leading them and coaching him. And that, that's where we realized that he had these leadership skills that were amazing. And we've been I've told him, I said, yes, you took all these mechanical classes, technical, but your leadership will outshine anything you'll ever do in a shop. It's special, you know, and it's natural to an extent. So I work with him and he knows he's going to run a store one day and he'll 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 be in his 20s when he runs a store not in his 40s or 50s. But 
one thing I know about him is if he has a really stressful day, say they did 50 cars through that quick loop and they had a couple problems, you know, that they had to resolve issues to take care of. Somebody called off. He had to work extra hard, take care. It's just a lot of stress. I know that if I just acknowledge the fact that he had a tough day, right? He, he's right as rank. If I don't, and in a couple of days it builds up and builds up because he is 21. He's, he's still not, you know, he's got some more, you know, learning and maturing to do. He'll get a little off kilter. And if I just do that maintenance, it's no different than a car. If I do that maintenance, I don't have to do the repair work. So I don't have to spend as much time coaching as if I do this small touch points throughout the the thing. And every once in a while, yes, you'll have bigger ones. You'll have strategic meetings. You know, you'll go to classes with them. You'll set up their training schedule and all. And then you'll talk about, you know, what they've learned. And heck, just like, uh, uh, I can't think of the name of the class, but it, it's emotional intelligence. You know, we've had all couple day classes for all our leaders to go through. It's such an important topic. Just one so they can control their own before they even start tackling everybody else's. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, I, I think so much of that comes back to understanding your team, right? And knowing your team and having a destination for your team, right? And, and, you know, caring about them because I, I, that, that's look, and I, you know, we talk all the time about transactional versus relational businesses. And I think that when we get into a situation where it's truly just about profit dollars, that's all we're interested in talking about is the money of the situation. Boys, you can feel that, you mm-hmm. know, and the staff feels it. They know it. That's what they're seeing is, is your, your primary focus is money. Now I, you know, me personally, and I, that, you talked about something that's tough for me and that's walking away from the front counter a little bit, you know? And, and so long story short, I've always kind of been the service advisor in the shop and, um, and the technician for the longest time I did both. And so, uh, this is the first time I've, I've really had somebody in that role that is competent in a high level way. And and I know that sounds bad. I've had a lot of good people in that role, but nobody that is competent in this way that the gentleman that's there now is. So now I'm going out and I'm saying, Hey, did you do this? Yes, sir. Did you do this? Yes, sir. Did you do this? Mr. Underwood, if you ask me to do something, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And everybody's taken care of. You have nothing to worry about. Everything's fine here. And so I I can't help but laugh about it um, because, you know, that's that's sort of where I'm starting to take my business is that I'm backing away and letting them do it. That's a scary jump, though. Right. <laughs> that's a really scary jump. We know David's never going to take that jump, but... <laughs> Whatever I leave, I let them go. I'm like, hey, uh, welcome to the shop. I appreciate you taking this job. Uh, paychecks are on Friday. Here are the keys. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he also more to the bank. <laughs> He's going to get more Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> That's it. Call call me if the, if the uh, shop is on fire or someone died. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, we. I'm well, sorry I need to know. I'm just saying I need oh. to know if that one of those two things happen. Well, I'll tell them what to do. I'm not going to go back to the shop, but well, I'll let them know what they need to do, and then we'll go from there. Well, uh, the reason I say that is years ago we went to a 20 group, and I'm talking like 15 years ago, and we had a brand new building we had built, and and we were leaving, and the guy in charge he said, uh, it was like, well, all right, don't call us unless the shop catches on fire, and. 
and it it kind of did, <laughs> but not bad. Oh, no. But but the fire department came, broke all the doors down. I mean, oh, it, it no. was it was ugly, and it was what it was is the waste old furnace burped and it put smoke in the building and had had smoke alarms in the HVAC. But yeah, don't ever say that because <laughs> you'll you'll be five states away and you get a call at two in the morning. Hey, the building's on fire. Oh no, awful thing. <laughs> oh, that's rough. That's really rough, and and you know, uh, yeah, we're we're not talking about that. We one of our uh, our family business back when I was young, actually, one part of it burnt down, um, all over a piece of speaker wire, nonetheless. Mm. So now, if I say anything about something burning down, my mom's over here like, you better, you better hush up, <laughs> Mister. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I've learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, but yeah. back to what you were saying, saying Lucas, is it is hard. And and if you hover and you try to listen to them talk, like if you're on the phone and they're next to you talking to a customer, you got it's so hard not to try and listen to that conversation. You yeah. that you almost ignore yours. If you're talking to someone, they're right in front of you, and you're like, my eyes aren't looking at them, but my ears are staring, and I'm like, right. you know, over at them, and it's. I, you got to stop it. It's hard though. It is hard. Oh, it is. And they, the thing is, is that, you know, I always try and save them from making mistakes, right? I'm always trying to stop them from making that mistake. And, and what I've found is, is that if they don't make that mistake, they never learn from it. And, how, did, how did we learn? Exactly. But see, we gave ourselves excuses, right? We're not willing to give them excuses, we're willing to say, hey, you should have done this instead of this. But we were giving ourselves excuses for those scenarios, you know, and, and I think back about it I, I, all the time. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, hmm, probably should have done this this way. Probably should have done that that way. Or the technicians will come in. I'll be like, uh, why didn't you do this test instead of that test? I'm thinking, man, I just need to shut the hell up. <laughs> I, I just need to let them do their job and. And, you know, I handled a customer today. Well, I'm going to be transparent here. I, I made a goof up. I knew better than doing what I was doing. I got called up and, and got busy and didn't think about how I was handling something and got emotionally attached to a situation. That sounds Long like an excuse. <laughs> oh, it was definitely. You gave oh, it was like, an excuse right there. It was definitely an excuse. See, what like, happened is the sun was in my eyes and the phone started ringing and no, Go no, ahead, David. That's you. I'm sorry. That's you, David. You and your your sidewall plugs and your crumpy old banners on the front of the building, um, like and your dead banner. groundhogs. I mean, beavers or whatever. <laughs> Dwayne, I swear to God, this dude had a dead groundhog in front of his shop, and it stayed there. It was frozen, and it stayed there for weeks. They kept and putting he, it back on the sidewalk. I kept pushing it back into the street. <laughs> Look, I pay these people. These these. Here's, here's what they do in my city, just so you have an idea. It is raining, pouring down rain, and you see the water truck driving up and down my street, watering the flipping plants. What on earth are you doing? What is going on? And I'm just seeing my tax dollars, cha-ching, cha-ching, every stop to beautify the city and put flowers up and down my, my, my street, whatever, fine. They need jobs. I get it. If they don't spend the budget, then it goes away and they allocate it somewhere else where it might be useful, but whatever. Right. So, uh, you know, that thing just got poked back into the street, hoping the street department would come by and pick it up. 
and somehow it kept making its way back onto the sidewalk for a couple and weeks. and eventually it no, was nobody walk, even walks over there nobody even sees that thing dude it was right in front of your front door it was you were looking to the ground well yeah well, it had just snowed. <laughs> you were looking for it i don't know i had noticed it meanwhile this is the marketing guru um listen you gotta you know you gotta clean things up you gotta make it look nice you gotta make it look nice oh dude you never mind me say any of those words thank you very much one <laughs> two and people still show up. They step over the beaver and happily come into my shop. And hey, I really connected with that ad you sent out. I'd like to pay you money to fix my car. Oh. Nice beaver. Did you have a beaver? Is is? Here's, I'm keeping that in the podcast. I just realized how that came off. Here, here's the thing. My guys would actually, if they knew that the beaver and me were fighting, it would disappear and come back from a taxidermy and it would be stuffed. And that would be our new mascot. And then you yes. need to put them on your marketing. Yes. You got to have the beaver this mark thing on had it. been hit by a car. Well, you me? Like, <laughs> it's a little deformed. <laughs> it was a groundhog. Been hit by the car. And those groundhogs are mean. We have a creek right behind the shop. They hiss at you. Yeah. They, and they're not Listen. afraid of people. They will walk up to you. Listen, slap Linda, you if they need to. I'm gonna I'm gonna change that banner on the front of your shop. It's gonna say "Nice Beaver." Um, <laughs> that's your new motto, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh man, that went sideways. <laughs> oh. So that was a nice 36 minute podcast you guys recorded. <laughs> Now I'm going to have to edit all this out. <laughs> Why? No, you can't edit this out. This is the best part. <laughs> oh, oh, man. You're going to call this the beaver episode. The That's beaver it. episode. Not even Leave a it beaver, to beaver. It was a groundhog. Oh, next, next you're um, going to find a Wally. <laughs> That's it. So uh, I, I will tell you about my super duper screw up today. Um, long story short, this client called. And, um, he had, the first thing he said to me when he called earlier in the week was he said, Hey, um, you put a throttle body on my car two years ago. Is it still under warranty? And I said, well, let me take a look and, and see what's going on with the car. And he said, well, I'm, I'm positive. The throttle body's out. It's, it's gone out. And I said, okay. So I, I went back and I looked at his ticket and I said, you know, it's odd. We didn't put a throttle body on your vehicle, we, we fixed an intake leak, but we didn't put a throttle body on the car. And he said, okay. I said, but I'll tell you what. I said, you know, obviously, if it's something related to the repairs we made that are causing your current concern, it's under warranty. No big deal. We'll take care of it. And he said, okay. I said, now, you might be responsible for the tow or the testing if that's the case, but, you know, we'll need to get the car in and take a look at it, see what's going on. And so a couple more questions about is it covered under warranty? And I didn't really think much about it. And so the car comes in, the guys look at it today and they find out that it's got thermostat codes. Um, it won't warm up and you open the hood. There's no coolant in the radiator, uh, no coolant in the tank. And it's all over the top of the transmission. And this is a Dodge Avenger. It's got two thermostats in it. It's got a little thermostat housing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's got this big one over on the side and they're known to leak, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we create an estimate and we look at the estimate. I look at it. Everything looks good. They present the estimate. I was in a, a coaching call uh, with my coach and they present the estimate and the guy declines everything. 
And so I just called him back and I, I was calling to say, how would you like me to proceed? Do you want me to have the car towed somewhere? What can I do to help? And he said, I talked to somebody else and they said $350 to do the job you priced. And he said, I would really love to have it done with you guys. I love your service. I love everything about you guys, but I can't afford to do that. And I said, but I said, I got to be honest with you. If, if there's that big of a difference, I'm concerned they're not pricing the same thing. And all of a sudden he became adamant, right? He was positive that, that they were pricing the same thing. And I didn't catch on to that cue, right? I should have caught on to that cue. I should have read the conversation better. And so he pops up and he says, um, no, I, I, I made sure of it. I, I priced it with two places and he tells me the two names of the shops. And I said, well, you know, like I said, completely understand. And then um, I call him back and tell him that we've got his car cleaned up and we've got it ready to be picked up at his convenience. And, you know, uh, just to please be very careful with this situation because I felt like the other shops were likely going to change their price because they didn't understand the repair that was needed. And he said, and I said, you know, one thing about it is I said, the only way they could even potentially do this is if they used a poor quality component from a company named Dorman. I said, that's the only way you're going to get close to this price is, is a really cruddy aftermarket part, um, not doing the job the correct way. And he said, well, can you get me a price on the cheaper part? I'm going to get rid of the car. And, um, you know, can you get me a, a price on the cheaper part? And I said, yeah, I'll be glad to do that. And I threw the price together and I, I even went and like changed the labor hours. And I'm trying to figure out how these people got to $350 on this estimate. And I'm like, there's no way either one of these shops are doing this. So like a jackass, I decide I'm going to call those two other shops because I'm good friends with them. And I said, hey, what are your parts on this? What did what parts did you put on it? And they said, hey, we just put a, a thermostat house and a thermostat. I said, okay. Call the other shop. Hey, what'd you put on this? Oh, just a thermostat house and a thermostat. And I said, which thermostat house? And the one with two bolts or the big janky plastic thing? He said, just the one with two bolts. So again, like a jackass, I call the client back and I say, hey, good news. I found out that uh, there's been a miscommunication. Our price isn't that far off. Turns out that they were not pricing the entire job. And this dude loses it. Absolutely flips out on me. Says that I have taken away his right to a second opinion. And uh, at first I was kind of offended. And then I thought about it. You know, he was right. And I think in so many cases, I would have made a, an excuse for myself and said, hmm. No, I'm I'm not wrong because of this, that, or the other. And then I look out here at this super professional team that I've got on the front counter, and not one of those guys would have done that, right? And here I am, the owner, making a goofy mistake like that. And, and I think as as owners, it's easy for us to get emotionally attached to what's happening. Um, and somebody says your price is too high, this, that, or the other. Now, in this case, I, I think the reality is, is this guy thought he was going to take his car and demand them fix it for $350 because that was the estimate they gave him. And he didn't properly explain the job that needed to be done. But I guess my point in telling that story is this, is that as the owner, we become so emotionally attached to things like prices, what's going on in the shop every single component of our shops working that sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees 
if we're on that front counter. And and so to speak to kind of what you were saying, Dwayne, we become so emotionally attached to what's going on in the shop. We can't coach our employees through that. What do you think about that? Oh, <clears throat> You, you you can't, and you, you end up becoming a bad example. One is you're micromanaging and you're doing their job for them, which right. is terrible. And you got to let them make mistakes if they're going to make them. That's, of course, how we learn. And then you take those as educational pieces. <clears throat> but the whole the whole thing with, you know, the owner on the front counter, and, and it's necessary for a while until the business builds to a certain point. Um, but I'm sure your coach has told you get off the front counter. Because one is you can't build a business, and two is we're emotionally attached to everything because it's our life. You know, yep. yes, we have other pieces, we have families and all, but we, there's no way you can be a small business owner and not and not be part of your blood. You would have took the risk if you if it wasn't. But, uh, it, I had a customer tell me one time. You know, I told him what policy was, and he said, "You're the owner," and I'm looking and I go, "Yeah." And he says, "You can do whatever you want," and I'm like, "Oh, they're right." I'm like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, so, you know, your, your team can say that we have policy. This, this is how we do it. You, you, yes, you should follow policy, but in the end you, you can do what you want to do. And uh, yeah, it, it uh, it's important. It, it goes back to the development part, but man, to learn and grow, just like that young technician, you're going to break a couple bolts. Uh, Amen. And then you're going to go by and there's not, there's almost nothing in this world that we can't fix. You know, they they upset your customer. You call them. And when you tell them, I'm sorry this happened, you know, own it. It, it happened. I'm sorry this happened, you know, and, and let, let them talk, say everything they got to say. And you tell them, you know, yep, Fred, he, you know, this could have been handled better. But no, we're, 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 tra- we're, we're actually trying to do this with Fred. Tell them a little bit about Fred. And Fred's on the path to, you know, to, to run one of our stores. And, he, you know, he made a mistake. And we know part of learning is making mistakes. But he's, he understands what happened. And, and, and we've learned from it. And we want to thank you for, you know, giving your feedback. Because we actually are going to be better because of it. You know, you can use these little misses or, and, and, and actually build your reputation. Uh, and, and build, you know, the confidence that the customer and your team member has. Because if they make a mistake and then it gets made right, they make it right. They're more confident because now they know, all right, you know, more than likely this is going to go right. But if it doesn't, I know I can fix it. And if I can't, I know Lucas has my back. Um, exactly. Yeah. Right. And and it just, and confidence just breeds success. Absolutely. I really agree with that. And I, I think one of the big things is, is that, um, allowing them to take action and and not making them question that you're going to come back and be upset when they take action. Here's right. the one thing here's the one thing they have to be able to do. Make your decision. Whatever it is, make it. Just be able to tell me why you made that decision. Yeah. And if I don't agree with you, we'll just talk about it. This is how I would have handled it. But I won't crucify you because you said, "All right, I I got him a rental car." Fine, you got them a rental car. Why did you do that? Well, they need this, this, and this, and they have a sick nephew they had to go to, or, you know, whatever. Because I don't know all those little details. You know, right. if you can just tell me your why, other than yeah. give me, I, I don't know, well, then we've done lost every bit of benefit there could have been out of this. Um, if they own it and they say, hey, this is why I did it, they, they use some form of thought process because eventually it will get honed. One, your process is going to get better because we don't know everything. 
by far. And when we get together as a group and we're all putting in information and knowledge and talent, we're going to get even better. And you're going to find out that, Lucas, your phone is not going to need to ring in your office for day-to-day operations. Right. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for that to happen. You know, and and look, David – David, his clients don't even want to talk to him. He's a groundhog. Doesn't even want to talk to him. (laughs) I know, right? The dude died out front just so he didn't have to talk to him. Man, David. Man. Um, you know, Dwayne, I've noticed that that are are you involved in legislation and things like that in our industry? Oh, yeah, a little bit. I uh, I've had the privilege uh to actually talk to our senators. I've had, actually had our senator and a congressman out to our shops. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That wouldn't end well with me. <laughs> well, you know, and, and uh, actually, it, it did it did go well, even though we weren't necessarily of the same political party. Uh, oh, I'd make it so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and some of them, you know, had a senator wanted to come out and actually check out our apprenticeship program. And I took the opportunity while I was out to talk about vehicle data. And I had a technician show him what it was, just plug in a scanner and get information. And I told him, you know, if you owned a, a newer European car, you know, a Volvo or something, and, you know, you know how to replace wiper blades on your car? And he's like, yeah, of course I can. I said, well, in that newer car, there's a park function. And if you don't have a scanner where you can push this button and communicate with it, you can't even change your own wiper blades, you know. And and just tried to make it as real down to their level of of what it was and say, you know, I'm all for making, you know, interfaces secure so the cars can't be hacked, but be careful that you don't make a blind legislative move where you block all of us. And now you've blocked this humongous, you know, industry that takes care of 70% of the repairs from, from doing their job. You would crush the economy and, and trying to educate them that way. And it was actually really good. We and up to, I've had them come out to the shops uh, with auto care, we've gone down with some of their summits and actually went to their different offices and talked to their uh, representatives because because the uh, usually the senators and their representatives don't talk to you when you go down to Capitol Hill. You talk to the, their their team they have there, and it's uh it's amazing when you start talking about the information that's being collected and all. And they they don't have a clue, and I I right. challenge other shop owners. I said, you know, you need to say something and talk about something because this affects the way you make a living. This affects your life, and you're letting Auto care, ASA, and other shop owners fight your fight for a living and, and your future and your team's future. And everyone has a voice and they listen to small business owners because we we employ people and they're their constituents and that makes a difference a lot more than a lobbyist will. And and they'll tell you that, you know, lobbyists will say they won't listen to me. It goes over. But when a business owner talks to them, their ears are open and uh it's seemed to move the point. I mean, it, uh, the more of them we educate, the less likely they'll make bad legislative moves, especially from not being educated. That's the biggest thing. They just don't have a clue. And, and a lot of the manufacturers are putting out information that's not necessarily truthful, um, which is a shame. But, uh, uh, you know, all we're asking for is a fair playing field. And that's what I tell them. You know, just give us the ability to do what we've done for years. I don't mind if if we have to credential it or you make it secure, but don't don't block it from us. Right. Yeah, there's well, a shop owner in New Jersey, uh, same last name as mine, no relation though. He actually runs for office. He's on his fourth term. Uh, 
seems to be very popular in his area, but you know, that's how he helps enact change, especially at the local level, as much influence as he can, as he has, uh, in, in what he's doing. Um, but you know, he brings that perspective as a business owner, as a shop owner, uh, to the legislative body. So that, that's another option as well as actually running for office, especially at the local level, um, to, to help, you know, make that, uh, ensure that you still have options in the future. Well, and, and maybe that's something that we should talk about is, is how does someone get involved in that? I mean, how, how would, you know, a, your average shop owner, right? And I, I get that we all have time tied up and, uh, we don't have that extra time. Dwayne, how did you get involved with it? And, and how would you encourage a shop owner to be part of that? And, and A, you know, I think one of the important factors in this is to really know where you stand on the issue. You know, there's been some legislation that's confusing and we don't really know what it means and what's in it. Um, and, you know, there's actually an episode of the podcast that's coming out really soon where that's talked about and, and talked about some of the things that have changed recently. And there were pieces of a bill that some folks didn't even understand, <laughs> even in the industry. So how do you encourage somebody to, A, be educated on those topics, but B, be involved? Right. I can give you two pretty good examples that I've used. Um, one is the Auto Care Association. You know, I'm on quite a few of their committees. And they, you know, they have a whole government affairs branch that that is like doing the right to repair data access, uh, the uh, Magazine and Moss, you know, making sure that thing is upheld. Uh, they they give us updates and all, and they're the ones that actually explain the bills, good ones and bad ones, and they do it at federal. And then now they actually have someone that does state level stuff too, that goes around. Say your your state's getting ready to get rid of state inspections. You know, they'll go and they'll fight that and show and show that, hey, the, this saves lives. You know, this is something that's needed and, and fight the fight for us. But they the auto care actually set it up, you know, educated us on the, on the topics, what was right, what was wrong, uh, and then set up the congressman or senator, you know, got them to come up. They did everything uh, the first time we did it. Um Completely. They even came up because we're right. We're not far from them. They're in Bethesda in Maryland. And, you know, we're only 35 minutes from them. Might take six hours to get there, but it's only 35 minutes away <laughs> or 35 miles. And, uh, you know, they came up and it went great. I mean, we had a great conversation uh, and and uh, he actually spent quite a bit of time there. Then the, the second one, you know, another way you can do it, because, you know, auto care is one. ASA does it some, too. I'm sure there's other ones out there that, that do it. But uh, I know of those, and, and I know they work. Uh, your local chamber of commerce—they're at least going to have a touch on your your elected officials. Whoever runs the chamber most likely knows these elected officials because they'll do roundtables. They'll bring them in to talk about uh, what's going on, you know, uh, legislatively. But uh, you can get—I call them their handlers. But like the, the senator that I, I talked to, uh, I knew the woman that actually handled the western part of Maryland. Uh, and I talked to her about it and, you know, she said, Hey, I want to bring a Senator to your shop. And I told her what I want to talk about. And she arranged it. And he came out when he did a tour out in our County, he stopped at ours. And that's when we talked about the apprenticeship and then showed him the car data and my access to the chamber, because, you know, it's small business, but then it's also, you know, legislative too, because they are tied hand in hand. Um, that's another way that you can actually get to 
your representatives. Um, you don't have to do all the legwork. These organizations want you to go talk to people because when a small business owner speaks to them, they, they listen to us. So you're telling me I shouldn't be sending all the ACA emails to my spam folder? <laughs> I would suggest not. I tell you, Lucas, whenever you're ready to to, to join or visit, I, I can uh, work on uh, some introductions and, and – uh, and, and get you involved because there's well, plenty I, to do. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm a member and I've, I've been amazed at, at some of the emails and, and watch some of the stuff that they're doing because, uh, you know, a lot of the organizations, we talk about that frequently. A lot of the organizations have not really been active. Um, and I've kind of watched what they're doing. They're really kind of the, um, the premier active organization. And, and you know, I, I don't mean to speak poorly of the other organizations, lots of really great organizations mm-hmm. working on training, working on things like that. But I've not seen anybody with the level of uh, activity as ACA, you know, and, and so talk a little bit about that and how we can get more shops involved. Because I mean, I think that the more they have, the, the more folks they have involved, the more change we can see in our industry. And I think the more involved uh, from an information standpoint, you can be, because you can actually pick up some of this information and, and be informed when you speak, I guess is what I'm getting at there. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, auto care is, sectioned into to many different groups. You know, government affairs is one and others emerging technology. And they're not only saying, hey, you know, Congress, you know, what what the manufacturers are doing is bad. They're they're trying to monetize data and sell it. And they're trying to prevent us from having access to it. Not not are they only saying, hey, this isn't fair. They're actually with their other hand, they're raising it up. And we found a way that we have a secured vehicle interface where shops like ours can access this securely where it can't be hacked through servers, you know, basically where, where the data from cars can come right to us. And so they, they actually have worked on this and they've been working on it probably for about five years now. And it's quite, you know, I don't know if you know Joe Register, but what an amazing person. He's in charge of the security, uh, of the uh, emerging tech committee, secure vehicle interface, uh, a lot of stuff that they're working on. And so they're doing both. They're not only saying, hey, this isn't fair. They're saying, but this right here will fix it. And they're getting not just themselves, but all these other organizations, AASA, ASA, all of them together and saying, hey, we support this as a, as a, a, a way to answer these problems. You know, and, and then they're also doing educational pieces and to get other shops involved. You know, Apex, unfortunately, you know, went vir- uh, virtual. They're putting a big push into making it more shop friendly as far as, you know, training and, and more about the shop owner, technician, service writers. And we feel by getting more classes in there that, that are more relevant to, to us and not just the industry, the supply chain, it's going to bring more shops to realize that, that ACA actually has a lot of value to bring. So, you know, Vegas, Apex is expanding. They're fighting the fight. And coming back with answers uh, for shop, for for the, the our pain points, and then fighting legislatively against other other issues that could put us out of business tomorrow if we're not careful. So a lot of reasons, and a lot of it, most shop owners don't even realize that ACA is there. I never realized they were there until I went to Leadership 2.0 because of a program group sent me there. Um, right. 
you know, is so much that just isn't known. And now they're more known than ever because we get to communicate with social media. All these great podcasts are out there. You know, more people know information now than ever have. So we just got to kind of get involved. Right. Well, you know, I, I didn't know anything about ACA um, until I was in a IGO board meeting and they had a representative there talking about um, about the secure data issue. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I really had not done any research into them up until that point. And, and then I kind of saw that and I thought, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. They're they're doing a lot. And then I kind of checked out the website and I started looking at some of their social feeds, you know, on LinkedIn or Facebook, whatever it was. And and they're doing a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. But, you know, the fact that you bring up is is they're bringing solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I were talking, I've been talking to some other folks about an issue that that seems to be a common thread right now. And and one of the things that I heard from somebody who has some input on it from the other side, if you will, and, and we'll talk more about this issue in another episode. So no reason to bring it up tonight, but um, they kept saying to me, listen, it's all well and great that you think there's a problem, but this is the best thing we know of right now. This is the best option we have right now. If you want to talk about a problem, fine. If you want to to make a change, let's talk about what that change looks like. And I said, well, I am wholly unqualified <laughs> to make any suggestions here. Well, so when you've got a, a group like ACA, they put the people in place to help you kind of work through that thought process, much like we're talking about technicians and, and uh, service writers, you know, finding your dream. Well, sometimes you need a facilitator to help nudge you a little bit to understand what the options are out there and what to see as far as potential. So I thought it was really cool to kind of sit back and look at some of the things they're doing and some of the data they provide, um, you know, just on that uh, vehicle data slideshow that they did for us, man, there was some really intense data in there mm-hmm. that you don't read about anywhere else. You know how powerful this industry is. It's massive. 2% GDP. That's a major player. And when you say 2%, you know, and that's probably going to go up just because of the focus coming back to the American car, you know. And and the thing is, is ACA isn't just taking their people and working on this. They do subject matter experts where they'll – they're doing this internationally. They're doing it in Europe. They're they're doing it uh, with standards, with um, SAE. You know, they have, I know they've got at least three standards already set, you know, and basically whenever you do things with cars and all their standards that are made that way, like a train, a train fits on the tracks because there's a standard for it. They're, right. just, they're working on standards for data and how it's accessed and the way that it's secured. And then they've gotten at least three of them through. That's a major milestone that most people didn't even know happened. And they bring in engineers. I sat in a meeting when they started explaining SVI and I actually watched it work in person in Vegas. Uh, two years ago, maybe three. And there was a German engineer, Gangoff. Oh my God, what a brilliant man. But he explained it and my mind exploded. Uh, just way overload. On, it was a complete dump of information. And I'm like, please don't explain this to a customer because they would never, it, they would get completely lost. They, You, know, you had to find a, a better way to communicate and lessen it because the engineer is so brilliant that uh, they're commun- they communicate different than we do, for sure. Right. Right. And, and, you know, 
if you're not involved with organizations like that, you never see that. Right. No. And, and, you know, I, I think as, as shop owners, we kind of, uh, somebody once told me that shop owners put blinders on and they just see the next car that's in front of them, or they just see that next thousand dollar repair order. Or they see that, you know, that $50,000 a month. And they're like, Oh, that, that's it. There's so much more to the industry that, that so many people never see. There's so many moving pieces and so much that goes into this. It's just hard to even fathom how much is actually there. Well, here's something to think about, Lucas, is, you know, I get asked a question I'm, I'm asked and I got a good answer for it is how do you have so much time to volunteer, go to different places and do things? Well, I go back to my team that we've developed and grown over the years And, you know, as we, you know, as we get off the front counter, as we get out of the shop and now we have a little bit of time and now you have to make a choice. Am I going to go better our industry and myself or am I just going to focus on me and and our shop right here? And what I found is when you started getting out, you know, in in one of the groups I'm in in ACA is uh, CCPM, which is Car Care Professional Network. It's a group of 14 of some of the best shop owners I know. And I learned so much from them talking about problems. We were the sounding board for the industry, for the manufacturers, uh, warehouse people, uh, jobbers. You know, they would bounce things off of us, um, you know, an actual shop, you know, instead of thinking that they knew what we wanted, they actually came and asked. But we would talk and I learned so much from it and it took that back to our shop. So now you go to a vision, you know, or, or you, you go to Vegas or all the other uh, training events that are out there. You go out there, and of course, I like to take some of my team, and we rotate our team out to these events, and it costs me money. But one is an experience; two, they actually get to really see the industry. They make some connections, and they're learning. And it, it it's amazing what it does with tenure because you're again you're developing them, and it's a cycle, and, and the circle gets bigger, and you're able to do more because your team gets better behind you. So it's you know the the more you do and get involved in our industry. Uh, it just makes such a difference. And yes, 2020 was a stumble, but uh, it's not going to stop us because now we're going to have so much more virtual on top of regular uh, classes in person. So I just think our training is just going to get that much better this year. I've been getting nothing but complaints about the virtual training, though. So it, it's a completely different dynamic training you know, through a webinar than it is in person. And I don't know. It it takes a different skill set, I think. Um, you know, I heard somebody explain it that you need to amp up the energy uh whenever you're doing it virtually. You have to be a lot more excited and it's because you almost have to transfer that excitement, that energy um for the topic through the internet and it doesn't translate well sometimes. And so sometimes, you know, you pay whatever, a hundred bucks per person, they show up for the, the class and and the trainer is not into it. And it's mostly because the guy's used to doing it in person and he can feed off the students and he doesn't have that. So <laughs> the training suffers and I've had my technicians come back and go, please never send me to a training with that mm. guy. again." <laughs> well, you know, you, you bring up some very valuable points, but there, there's again, where we need to learn and get better, you know, and yes, Virtual, especially to me. I mean, I'm people. I'm, I'm a people person, just like you all are. Well, at least Lucas, I know he is. And and uh, say it's bad until you don't have that either. You know, so go back to nothing, no training. That's the worst. 
yes, virtual. And and the first time, second time, it's not as good, but it's time it gets better. I'm looking forward to Vision and seeing how that is, you know, because the last live event I went to was Vision last year, and we got out of town before everything closed, you know. But this year, instead of taking eight people, you know, I have 35 signed up. So right. we at least get to experience it. Well, I guarantee you Sherry's going to do something special or try. And, and yes. She's got a good list of presenters. I, I think she's she she puts on a good show. So she's going to be, I think, careful about who she signs up to do the classes. And the list I've seen so far is, is you know, the, the, the top of the top, uh, the absolute best. And on top of that, the people that she knows can deliver through mm-hmm. a webinar. It, exactly. Plus, you change the format a little. Instead of it being four hours, maybe it's two hours. Or you put breaks in the middle. You know, you, you adjust so you don't lose people so much. But I know my guys and gals, they know what trainers to go to. I mean, they literally go down the list. Yes, yes, nope. Yes, nope. I mean, they, they already know. So you're right. There's some that just, they don't get it. And, and uh, but there, there are a lot of They're them. They're just not do. used to it. I, I just don't, I, it's not, because they have passion for the topic. It's not that they don't care or that they're whatever uh, apathetic towards the the having to deliver it online. It's just that they're not used to doing it online, and you can tell they're not used <laughs> to doing it online. And so, you know, that that's the other thing is I've seen the quantity of training ramp way up, and you almost have to stop and wonder why wasn't this happening before? And I, I understand that, but there, you know, there's more money in, in person. So, and, and if it almost feels like you're getting more, if you send them in person, so you're okay paying the extra money, this, that, and the other, I, I don't know. It, they should have been able to offer this both virtually and in person through like VCT or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and they just didn't do it. And it, it seemed like, having COVID has had to push them into the different technology that's available now that allows them to have an in-person class. Sure. But you know what, at a discounted price, you want to step in, in that class and, and do a VCT program and have just one person in the back, Hey, raise their hand and say, I've got a question online. I mean, that opens up a ton of possibilities, but man, I remember speaking to somebody who was trying to bring some training and having a whole conversation about, hey, I understand you're doing the training down south, but why don't we do a VCT program here in Kansas City? And the person that created the content just wasn't interested. The, the guy doing the training was all about it. but And, and the guy was w- worried about, and somebody might take my content. There could be some recordings. I'm not going to be able to secure the content. I don't know how it's going to go. And I get all that, but I don't know. They, they just don't expand their the the thinking they they don't expand the the realm of possibilities it's like eh, i've been doing this for the same way for the last 10 years i'm going to stick to that it's like man come on covid has forced them well so and i'll it, say that it's a, it's a win from covid we we've all had a lot of them and what one of them is is the way we're trained i know that the classes you know that, that they had at apex this year it it was virtual. I really hope next year they have them in person with a virtual element too, so people can log in. You know, I usually take six people to Vegas. It's a, what's expensive there is the hotel room. You know, but yeah, I can sure. take. But I mean, you can't take everybody either. But now I can hopefully get a couple other ones virtually log in because I tell you, I listened to Bill Haas's class on leadership, 
That was an amazing class. Yeah, he does a good job. He does an amazing job. And, you know, Lucas, you were, you were part of picking out those classes, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know that I picked out the classes. I was part of the award committee. You were part of the award, but we, we also, you know, with CARM, uh, we pushed Bill Hamby and, oh, yeah. and, and them and, and yeah. Mark. You know, so I, we told them to go out to Vision and, and, and watch their training, and they did. And then they bought some of that format to get more shops involved. I said, if you want shops there, go to Vision and watch them because they're the masters. And and that's what they right. did. And then we brought and they we went through and picked classes. And Bill was one of them we picked. And I know Bill's an amazing trainer. It's like Rick White. I picked Rick White. I've known Rick White for years. And I'm the one that said, they go, who are we missing? I said, Rick White. You were missing that man because that man is energy. I don't care if he's singing a lullaby over a phone to you, you're going to be standing up <laughs> listening to him because you can't right. fall asleep in his class. That's true. That's true. And, and you know, I, I think that so much of this comes down to being involved with these organizations, right? And and just like I, this all started for me with being involved with IGO. And, you know, it doesn't really matter where the training's at, whether it be virtual or in person. I, I tell you, though, I think the benefit to in person for me is, is, you know, we were talking before we started about that realization, I'm not alone realization that other people are going through this too and and that networking aspect that is difficult to get in a virtual training um and yeah, so i the networking yeah I, I think that's where my business really grew and really improved was through that networking so um you know i'm a, i'm extremely excited about getting back and and getting to network and getting some of these things going on and and you know I'm hoping that very soon that starts to happen. I'm hearing like maybe May or somewhere after there we can start having some training. That was an in person training. Uh, I think Keith Perkins is doing it. It's four hours south of me. I'm sending my whole shop. It's in person training. I'm not going to miss that opportunity <laughs> to right. send them. Everybody's going. <laughs> Nice. Well, and, and, you know, that that's a valid point is, is, you know, you brought up that in-person training can be very expensive and there's some guys who will not want to go because they've got family issues. There's reasons they can't go. So I think virtual adds some a, a level to that that really helps with that. I, I think the reason, you know, in, in talking to Jim and some of the others involved with with training, one of the reasons they haven't done it is is in some ways, unless a technician or a service writer is really engaged, really interested in learning, they will find something they would rather do. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, and I think it depends on the area, though, because like uh, I, I think it was Benji Burris who was asking for other shops interested in bringing training to his area. And I think that's what it comes down to is when you have a group of engaged shop owners that want to bring better training in and maybe there's not enough of them. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we could bring that guy in for 10 grand or whatever and put up his hotel room into the whole, you know, the whole thing or, at a, at a discounted price, the guy's doing a class in some other area. We can do a VCT type thing and it expands the opportunity to increase revenue for the guy. If he's able to do a class, you know, in North Carolina and happens to also do a virtual class at the same time, I mean, in essence, it's an, it's a live class. Now, when you're talking about, Hey, we're going to have a vehicle here live to hook up a scope to, or something like that, that's a little bit different, but that interaction that you have with students live 
you know, and you create a, a classroom setting and just put it up on a screen, you know, I remember doing that in college, like 20 years ago as an option, right. you could take online classes and that's how they did it is you just didn't have to go into the schoolroom uh, and, and sit down at a desk to learn. You could do it virtually through, a, through a computer. So I, I don't know. It's it just, a, at least with having COVID it's pushing them to, to try different things. Right. Yeah, yep. definitely. I agree. That's going to be one of our wins. And I think it's just going to expand how we offer it. And, and maybe the classes when they're hybrid, where you have people in the class and you have the virtual, maybe it'll up the game and, and the training for the virtual will be even better. And I think it will. I, I really do. But the best thing, you know, virtual is an ideal, but it is better than nothing. I mean, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to regress. We we don't want to go back to the industry that was. I mean, we're we're becoming a profession. I consider we are one now, you know. And and training, it's 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 got to be done. And uh, yeah, little hiccup in the road last year, but uh, there was still stuff. I actually lined up a uh, did it through my chamber. There was a company that does leadership training for all my uh, leaders in the company. You know, it's five two hour classes. Uh, and then they're going to do a little bit of coaching and, and they're like, what is this for? And I said, it's for maintenance. I said, guys, we're stale. You know, we haven't yeah. gone there and they, they all looked at me and they said, cause they all love training. You know, they said, you're right. I didn't even think about it. That's exactly, you know, let's, let's do this. So you bring up a valid point for me or, or something that, that just kind of sparked some interest there. What, what do we do to become a more professional industry? What, what, what? the key that you see um you know and and the reason i bring that up is recently there were some conversations uh kind of behind the scenes um about the professionalism in a group like asog you know you've got some people who um are rough around the edges and and there's nothing wrong with that but you know, a lot of folks say, Hey, we want to be seen as professionals and you've still got technicians that are, are kind of rough around the edges. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. What, what does it take for us to be seen as a more professional trade? Where do we go from here? Well, I think part of it is, I think our customers need to understand better what it takes to actually get their vehicles repaired and maintenance and understand the, the level of knowledge and skill. And we need, right. you know, they need to find out that you just don't plug it in and tell you what's wrong with it. And part of that is the sales job. And when we're, we got to bring the value of what there is. Now, is there, there is something to be said about, you know, a clean waiting room, a clean bathroom, you know, you walk in and, and a store looks professional. I'm one that I would, it, it should be straightened up and clean. The, the dead groundhog, if you stuff them, you could put them on the mantle, but you can't just leave them outside, you know. <laughs> but but we we have to act the part if we're going to be it. And, just so you know, he was on city property. <laughs> just so you know. So your tax dollars owned him. He's still yours. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but but in in go back to the whole goal process. All right. If you and there's nothing wrong. You want to be a technician. That's all you ever want to be. There is nothing wrong with that. It's a great career, you know? And so, you know, you may act and do things a certain way, but if you want to be a salesman, so, you know, that, so you now need to work on your sales skills. You need to learn how to enunciate, pronunciate, speak, type, work on misspelled words, use your grammar better. Uh, this to me is bringing 
the industry up because now you're being more professional instead of, uh, you know, being sloppy and just, just saying, oh, it's probably going to be this. Uh, no, you know, give them a good estimate, do a proper job, give them a good warranty. That's all part of being professional. And right. one is just educating our customers on how much of a genius our technicians are. I mean, it's amazing. I know when I diagnose cars, five minutes on the computer, 55 minutes on the car. Now it's lucky if it's 50-50, you know, or half an hour on the computer. So much research. Well, and, and, you know, a couple of things to that is, is, you know, Malin Newton said in a class one time that he, um, he would send his staff to any kind of training that they wanted to attend as long as that in some way or another applied to the, to the job. Correct. Um, and so I, I think that's a powerful concept that, that we need to, we need to educate our people in all different types of areas. Um, you know, it, it comes up time and time again. Do you think organizations like the, the, um, trade organizations and ACA and ASA, um, and, and a big one that's been brought up here time and time again, ASE, Mm-hmm. Do you think they're doing an adequate job of educating the public? Is it their responsibility to educate the public about our our roles in in repair? It's our responsibility. It's it's ever you know it's not just theirs. It's ours. We all have to do it. One of you know Jason, you know that, that you've met. One thing he's really good at is you know he loves talking to his customers and educating them on the repair. But he also talks about what we do for career development training, how, you know, we're going all over the country learning, you know, we're just small shop, small business in Maryland, but we're still going, you know, going places to learn it all. And when they hear that, they're like, wow, they're like, you know, I don't go anywhere. You know, my company doesn't send me anywhere for training except for, you know, something online for two hours. And it, you're, you're selling the whole value proposition. Now it's not, it didn't cost me $500, uh, you know, to get a tune up. It's, Man, these guys did a, a they diagnosed it right and got it fixed right and got it back to me in a timely manner because they're educated and they've been trained and they have the knowledge to fix my vehicle and do it with a service that I appreciate. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast along with the work of ASOG, just go to our website, asog.site, and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron gets you several perks, supports this podcast and is entirely tax-deductible. That's because ASOG is a 501c3 educational charity. Once again, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, and if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It really helps us out. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and hitting that like button. Here's the real story about the groundhog. It was left there by the like button, and is now something Lucas finds a way to tease me about every time we have a conversation. Forcefully hit that like button for me this time. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, or if you have any topic suggestions, please reach out to me via email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.